0: Welcome back, this is your internet uncle. Today we're going to talk about my numerous trips to Vietnam. So, Dennis thinks I've been back about, I think, a hundred times? Maybe a thousand. I wish I've been back that many times. It means I wouldn't have to be here. But, from my recollection, and from the photographs I got, I've been home six times. I call it home. You know I was born here, but it's, you know, just something I nice, say. Eh? You know, it's more, you know, my parents' home. You know, my mom's never been back. My dad's been back a few times, a few more than me. And, uh, but most Vietnamese who come over here, you know, don't often get to go back. Because usually they, you know, work whatever jobs. You know, the classic immigrant story where they'll you know, take whatever job they can, make some money, you know, live the live the life here, you know, hopefully get a house, get to send their kids to school, that kind of thing, buy the cars, buy the toys, all that good stuff, and, you know, i making sometimes good money, sometimes not, but when they do go back, you know, they have to show off, right, so they'll, you see, you know, some Vietnamese people, and I think it's changed, I haven't been back, you know, last time I was back in 2013, but, uh, you know, When I got on the plane because I used to travel quite a bit I used to fly quite a bit for work so I cared more about comfort more than anything else and it's about a 24-hour journey to get from here to Vietnam like that includes layover time you know it's definitely not as long as going to places in Africa or in India but you know it's quite a while to spend in airports and in airplanes so the idea of wearing you know a couple pounds of jewelry and whatnot and tighter-fitting clothes, you know, to to show off. It's just really dumb. I got in trouble with the ex uh, a couple times when she picked me up on her more numerous chips there. Uh, That's a different story. And she complained that, you know, I never, you know, dressed up when she picked me up from the airport in Ho Chi Minh City, uh, which I will refer to as the city from now on for obvious reasons. And if not, you can figure it out on your own. But, you know, in... You know, she kind of understood, but she cared more about, you know, looking good. And a lot of Vietnamese do. You know, maybe it explains why, you know, we're no longer married. Or that we don't have a lot of, like, not just me, but also my family don't have a lot of, uh, or any Vietnamese friends, really. You know, we just don't get along. And, uh, any case. You know, I've... Been back a total of six times in '94, 2002, 2005 to get married, 2006, 2008 for the sister-in-law to get married, and the last trip was in 2013 with the bro, which is only a second trip. Uh, he went with me and the old man in '94, So we'll talk about the 1994 and 2002 trips in a separate episode. There's a lot more talked about there. Uh, the other four trips... I don't know because they were shorter or maybe they're... I just have uh, less memories of them that I could put down onto paper. In any case, we'll just start off with some general notes. And uh, I guess we'll start with uh, my dad's youngest brother who's unfortunately passed. And, you know, he was a different kind of cat, right? You know, being the youngest, he was already uh, in his generation. He was always very... Um, deferent. Like he would, uh, you know, because following like a Confucian-based culture, right, you know, you had to respect your elders, which includes your older siblings, so being the youngest, right, you know, he was very low on the pecking order. Uh, he used to be quite an alcoholic, which is a common trait in, the, in my dad's family, till he wrecked his liver and he had to give it up. Like he went through a course of, injections, like, uh, self, uh, self uh, administered, uh, my old man was telling me, uh, his, well, the son, uh, did too, actually, you know, you know, runs in the family and thankfully, uh, me and the bro, uh, I've gone away for it. Tolerance actually is surprisingly, well, I don't know about me, but the bro makes his more padding is relatively high, but, uh, you know, he was uh, something else. He liked trying different kinds of food and, you know, liked trying culinary various culinary ideas that my old man, like, you know, being over here, he'd find healthier recipes and stuff. One of which was actually, like, adding, you know, chopped up pineapple to fried rice. You know, it gives extra vitamins, you know, a little uh, taste profile. He, you know, he made it one time and, you know, everyone in the family hated it. Not him, though. He liked it. Right? I don't know how many more times he made it, but uh, he was the only one he did. Uh, in 94, so the bro, you know, I had a difficult time, too, on, uh, you know, trying to adopt to food there in Vietnam because you're used to eating, you know, Western food, right? And even the Vietnamese food, you know, my parents made here was quite a bit different right, you know, different ingredients, different styles, right. And the bro, you know, you just really want to eat French fries. So my dad explained this to his brother. You know, he cut up and, you know, made home fried chips. My brother was complaining, he's like, well, there's no ketchup, right. And that that point, right, this is 94, you know, there was no McDonald's yet. I think relations were starting to normalize between Vietnam and the U.S., but, you know, the American companies haven't moved in yet. And actually, to this day, McDonald's hasn't, hasn't found any success in Vietnam. KFC has. And KFC is actually uh, kind of like a a higher-end meal for fast food, if you can imagine. I had it once, one trip. It was uh, kind of greasy. But they also used a the different... They didn't u- did cook it, uh, you know, the southern, traditional southern fried style or the Kentucky fried style. It was more of a tempura batter, something they brought for the Japanese. It was also greasy as shit. But anyways, no, no ketchup yet. So my old man was trying to describe this to his brother, right? And you know, it was like, a, you know, tomato sauce, right? And so he tried making making one, you know, adding, you know, some I think to make tomato paste, mixing with vinegar and sugar. And, you know, it was, like, you know, it's like, "No, oh, here you go, nephew. Here, try this," right? And my brother just hated it. And he uh, he was like 10 at the time. <laughs> so, you know, he didn't give a shit, right? You know, he was just miserable. And but my uncle tried it. And he said, "He was, yeah, this is actually quite good." <laughs> uh, he also, you know, he's getting older. And you know, he got into Indian soap operas, right? And he liked watching them. He didn't understand, like, yeah, you know, there is a so a lot of things that, uh, from the thing that I've seen, I hadn't seen anything uh, recently, you know. It's, for the last five years, like since I split up, so with the X, but anything from outside of Vietnam would be dubbed, but there wouldn't be different voices for the dubs. There'd just be one person speaking for every character. Sometimes there'd be, you know, some emotion, so you know the dub wasn't too bad. But yet, sometimes you had, no, like I did, have no idea who was talking, right? Because you know, I think they tried as best as they can to sync up, you know, the lady, you know, speaking the lines of dialogue for whoever, right? So, you know, he, he got the gist of what was going on. But he really just liked, you know, looking at the, the paler East Indian ladies. You know, he's qu- quite fascinated by them. I don't know what my uh, if my auntie ever gave him crap or stopped him. I'm not sure, but I know he, he liked them. So, fortuitously, I just had a call from my old man. And he, uh, I asked him about uh, his brother and he corrected me. It wasn't like he really liked uh, the weird foods my dad was trying to introduce to the family. It was just because my dad had made it and made him eat it. So, things. What can you do? <laughs> now, my old man uh, went on that uh, culinarily wise maybe because you know, our, where our family lives, it's in, the, in a rural area. It was very conservative. And like his dad, so my grandfather, you know, was very adventurous. He was actually one pretty adventurous besides my old man, uh, eating-wise. And he, uh, there, you know, at the market, you know, people would just, like, bring random things. Like, uh, apparently, people in the Riverlands wouldn't eat, uh, eat sea fish. Whoops. And, you know, my my grandfather would. You know, because he knew how to cook, and I think I mentioned like he would uh, get drunk while cooking, and you know get loaded while eating what he cooked, and that's why he died young. But uh, one thing a uh, old man is telling me is that sometimes we catch uh, female fish, sea fi- uh, sea fish uh, with eggs, with roe, and. You know, no one would eat it because they're worried that it would cause an imbalance in their humors. Uh, it's not exactly what he told me, but I'm kind of translating it to something a little more Eurocentric. And it would actually, you know, make them itch and make them like an allergic reaction. Right. But then again, this was like 60 years ago. He says, nowadays, like eating people would, you know, would outdo my grandpa. They'll eat anything. You know, part of the globalization of the world in trade. That uh, you know, so I think I was getting kind of took a little sidetrack. So my my uncle passed away, and you know he came down with cancer. He was diagnosed with it, and he had. Uh, I write down in my notes. I, hopefully, this is right. He had mouth cancer, and in Vietnam, it's like in the states. It's uh, pay as you go, and you know they didn't have health insurance, and there's a couple there's uh, two classes of medicine. There's the more traditional kind, you know, closer to like Chinese herbal medicine and, you know, Western medicine. So all of our fancy pills and whatnot. And, you know, he didn't want to, you know, make his family into beggars. So his kids had grown up, my cousins had grown up, have families of their own and, you know, had found success. So you know, being business owners or working and he didn't want them, you know, to give up you know, their wealth to try to, Get him through th- chemotherapy or other treatments, you know, just to extend his life by a couple of years. Yeah, sounded like his cancer was pretty advanced, and he was pretty happy with his, his uh, lot in life. You know, he'd seen a couple of his kids, you know, have happy families, well, relatively happy. I right? you know got to play with grandkids, and yeah, he was kind of a little more at peace with himself and, you know, didn't want to, you know, take all this funds, just, you know, didn't want to be selfish. Sock said, you know, he had to make that decision, but, you know, that's, he's not the only one who's ever had to make that kind of choice. And, you know, he, uh, you, know, was telling you like he tried, I think, um, like a Drew-style treatment, I think, it's something similar to what Steve Jobs did, try to combat his cancer, but, you know, Steve Jobs had all the money in the world to actually, you know, Use effective treatments, but he didn't. But that's a different story. You know, my uncle, you know, kind of made the you know, choice, but, you know, he doesn't have billions to, to burn. And, yeah, he gave it a shot. And then one day, um, you know, he had a stroke. And it left him unconscious. It left him in a coma. And, uh, and he passed a couple of days later. Um, his whole family was able to get there in time. Yep. Yeah, uh, sometimes death uh, doesn't settle. And now, you know, if the crow of the rooster, your neighbor's rooster, won't wake you up, you know, the local PA will. I still don't know what they're saying. I think I've asked my old man because you know they say a whole bunch of gibberish. You know, I'm not very good in Vietnamese. I'm not that fluent. I'm enough to kind of introduce myself and kind of get some things across, have a basic conversation, even after years being married to a Vietnamese expat or immigrant. And, uh, I figured, uh, it was at the commie party, local comedy party, blurring news. I think it confirmed that with my old man, I think it also included the like, call ups to, uh, to the military cause there's a mandatory conscription and my cousin, my guy cousins had gone through it and, uh, what I've seen, like you know, the girls can, and my old lady, ex-old lady, told me to see that you get, you know, training with AKs in high school too. You know, ladies do too. So there used to be a number of ferry crossings in Vietnam. Uh, well, on the way from uh, the city down to where my relatives live, and I think they've all been replaced with bridges, which is good because you know, with any ferry crossing, you have to wait for the ferry to get there, people to unload and to load with. Hopefully you on board and you know for it to cross. And at these crossings, you know, they sometimes there were really like, you know, people, you know, find ways to make money. Like they have little shops and diners and you know, selling overpriced food. Sometimes it was good, sometimes not. As well as drinks and stuff, you know, people would knock on your window if you're like on your minibus or whatever. Right. There'd also be like a number of beggars, right? And old ladies, you know, begging for their families, right? Sometimes the folks would be missing limbs, blind, or senile, or, you know, uh, mentally handicapped. But I think that it's called a neurologically divergent. I think that's the PC term now. And, uh, you know, generally they've been replaced for bridges, and these bridges have been built out... Uh, so this part, I'm probably getting it wrong, but I'm just gonna call them joint ventures with international companies, like usually from Australia or Japan or South Korea, All right? And, uh, you know, they're much quicker, you know? takes less time to get from the city back home. So things have advanced a number in, in the last few decades, when they first went to Vietnam in 94, right, they they didn't have toilet paper. Um, like the toilet paper we were supposed to use was really, uh, they, they used, they made books both like recycled paper, you know, those brown, you know, the fibrous paper, you can tell is recycled. We used old books like that to wipe our ass, me and the bro. Then it turned into, uh, you know, over the various trips, it turned into this kind of stretchy, almost sl- kind of rubbery teal green toilet paper. And, you know, they didn't have tissues for a while. I don't know about now, but uh, up until my last trip in 2013, they didn't have tissues. So the teal green turned into a white toilet paper at some point. And instead of tissues, they'd actually just give you a roll, a fresh roll of toilet paper to use. You know, you just tear off however much you needed, and you know, to wipe your mouth and stuff. And you know, in being a Nam, most times people just you know throw it on on the ground when they're done, also spitting. But again, I don't know about now. It's been nine years since I last been there, so you know, that's a bit a bit of time. Things could have changed. Uh, one other thing that did change that I did notice. I, so again, uh, I don't know what kind of helmets to use now on mopeds, but it used to be that you didn't need a moped uh, or a, helmet on a to ride a moped. You know, you could just, you know, go bareheaded, right? And there was no limit on how many people uh, could ride on a moped. You've probably seen some pictures of people like, you know, there'd be like four, five or six people, right? Most of them adults carrying things and they'd be on you know, the width of a bus. Right, hold on, that's not allowed anymore, right? And I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, due to safety crackdowns, right? Uh, you know, they limited the number of people on a moped. Uh, now it's two, uh, and you can have a kid, maybe two. Uh, this I'm not sure, I've only seen two adults with a kid last time I rode. And, you know, at some point, they were forced to wear helmets. And it used to be like, you know, construction helmets, you know, those flimsy things without any padding, but it had a chin strap and then it turned into, you know, proper, well, more proper, uh, motorbike helmets, you know, not full on cushioned ones like we use here, uh, you know, most of the other countries outside, well, most of the Western world, I, I'm assuming I, you know, I can't speak for Africa or other parts of the world, you know, they're smaller. They were not too thin. So again, I don't know what they use nowadays but you know the mopeds uh they use like generally they're pretty small motors like 100 cc i think uh, most motorbikes here are you know start from like 500 700 cc and the bigger ones get to thousand thousand plus right so not, not very powerful machines but people still die uh i've seen you know besides uh my mom's mom uh her body well you know the first bodies I seen who were not my family were you know in Vietnam. First one was passing by this ecstasy. You know people milled about this guy. I'm not sure where he had fallen. I, mean, I can't remember. If it was actually a motorbike accident, or not. I think it was because we were on the road, and it looked like the guy you know, was kind of asleep. Besides the fact there was a massive pool of blood underneath his head and body. In their time, uh, it's heading back. Uh, uh, being hauled by my ex's neighbor. We were going back and we had to slow down because there had been a bad crash and so two motorbikes or mopeds had smashed into it like head on and from what I figured was uh, like on one side there was an embankment that led to a hut and uh, it was probably the local uh, local pub and the guy probably you know got a little cut, sped up the pub. He might not have even been drunk but he, you know sped up and got up the Embankment and turned and ran into this other guy who was just speeding down the way. And, you know, I figured it was his dad because it was an older gentleman. You know, he was crying, so I figured he, he had died in the head on, right? You know, the other party, I, they're dazed. I don't know if they're not, you know, just my uh, my driver just shook his head. It's, you know, just uh, not sure what uh, he was feeling. probably disgust or whatnot. But yeah, so even you know, a you know, little hundred cc motor can get you killed. Right, but in any case, just kind of rummaging through a couple of general memories here in Vietnam. I, I again, I went back uh, six times by reckoning in 1994, 2002, 2005 to get married. 2006 uh, trying to time the immigration papers and I messed that up 2008 for the ex-sister-in-law's wedding and last time was 2013 Uh, now it's for my second youngest cousin's wedding so my youngest uncle's third daughter so we'll talk more about those in the in a different episode, so I think this one's are kind of dragging on. In any case, uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, yeah, join me next time as I blabber on about a you know, country I've been to a few times, and I'd like to go back. In any case, take it easy.